Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the podcast, World Order, What Wrestling Is, Was, and Shitty. I'm your host, Matt. Uh, I have Ben from Colorado right over here. Mm-hmm. I have Jeff Hitman Hall over here. Hello, hello. I have Dean of Old School Dwight Lightning over here. <laughs> Things reversed. Head of Talent Relations right below me, and uh, Mr. Connington, would you like to introduce who we have today? Without a doubt, 100%. He is, he is a professional wrestler. He is a motivational speaker. He is a music producer. He is an ordained minister. He is the current color commentator for Ring of Honor, and on top of all of that, he was on PWO's team for Ring mm-hmm. of Honor's inaugural trivia night, which we should have won. Ladies and gentlemen, fans everywhere, Caprice Coleman. Man, with that introduction, the introduction should have had six people standing in my in my Zoom meeting. That's a whole lot of stuff. Should have bring stole Kenny King's K-I-N-G-K. How y'all doing, man? We're doing good. good. How are you doing, man? Doing good. I'm good. I'm honored to be part of this, man. I really enjoyed y'all during the trivia game, man. And so when y'all asked me to do this, it wasn't even a second guess. And I don't do a lot of these. You know, but okay. the time that I spent with y'all, how calm y'all were during the game, and then how much information y'all knew about Ring of Honor, I know that y'all truly support the sport, and uh, it, it really uh, it won my heart. Y'all good people. <laughs> That's why I saw that look, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff was like, you know what? Yeah, you know, we, didn't, we no, know a lot you more three than was there. we know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. You, you no, guys no, dropped out. I don't want to hear it. Well, you know, the ringers didn't make it. That's okay. It's fine. I got nothing, fellas. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, uh, like you said, it was an absolute blast having trivia night with you, getting to talk to you, getting to know you a little bit better. It was a no-brainer. We had to ask you to come on. Uh, yeah, man. We got a couple of questions for you, and we're going to try and fit it all into an hour to the best of our abilities. All right. Hey, that's cool with me, man. As much as y'all knew about it, I was like, hey, let's go. That introduction alone, I got to remember each one of those people. Each one of those people has a job. (laughs) Uh, So to start things off, uh, I like to – we know we talked about Ring of Honor. I want to back up a little bit. I want to talk about uh, your training. And you started in Omega, trained by Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. I want to know a little more what that was like, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I wrestled all the way through high school, and uh, during my senior year of high school, uh, the summer was over and all, and I think I was, like, at a video store, and I saw a guy putting up, like, posters for, like, a local wrestling match, and um, at this time, I weighed, like, 125 pounds, and so he was, like, uh, they have a local wrestling show they were doing, and at this time, it was called, like, East Coast Wrestling Federation or something like that, and... uh, I told him I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And he kind of laughed. This guy was named Commando. And he was like, sure. He said, uh, we'll come. We, we train at this place or whatever. He gave me the address. And they at that time, they were training on Sundays. And uh, I went there. And when I went there, uh, Tracy Cadell was there, who's Trevor's uh, dad. Is, who's his wrestler by name? Uh, Cameron Cameron uh, Graves or Grimes. what's his wrestling? Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes, yeah. Uh, Trevor, Trevor was, Trevor's dad with it. This time, Trevor was like two years old 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so, but like he, he was there, Matt and Jeff were there. It's a guy named Jason Arndt. He was in um, WWE for a while as part of Posse. And uh, okay. a couple of other guys were there. But yeah, that's why I started that. Yeah, I was going to ask if, if you saw on SmackDown this week, they did a little Jeff Hardy, uh, you know, a little vignette. And he had the looks like he was in the back of his shirt had the roster from that whole, yeah. yeah and including yourself, you know, at the bottom of that. That was just this past week on SmackDown. It was pretty cool. I, I, cool. I, I took I took a I took a screenshot, sent it to everybody. So it's like okay. you guys need to do send your homework. Send that to me, man. Yes, send that to me. That definitely hey, will. Would you would you would you say that it was cool as ice? Cool as ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. That's right. <laughs> I got to ask, where does the ice name come from? Because I know you said, uh, I, I listened to some other interviews getting prepped for our, our talk, and I know uh, when you went to try out for wrestling, you thought it was, all right, where's the ring? Let's go. And you, I, I know you said, like, my name is going to be Ice. I'm ready. Yeah. It's, it's funny how Ice came up. Uh, it, I've, I've always been into music, and one of the chorus uh, teams that I was part of at school there was a story, uh, a movie called The West Side Story. And The West Side Story, I, some of you might be familiar with it, had like mm -hmm. two sets of gangs or whatever like that. And one of the gang members' name was Ice. And like when I heard that, I was like, man, this movie was shot in like the 40s. And like this guy's name was Ice, man. That's so cold. I'm sure he wouldn't mind if I... <laughs> <laughs> My phone just fell. I'm actually in the car. Let me flip this right here. And so, yeah. And so, um, so I, I, I started using ice and then like, um, and this was had to be like in 10th, 10th or 11th grade, maybe. And like, I just adapted it and I just started going with it. And, um, Mortal Kombat came out and they had Sub-Zero and I was like, oh, that, that's, that's cool. I'm ice. You know, Glacier came to WCW and I was like, yeah. I'm ice. <laughs> 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 yeah, so it came. It truly came from the West Side Story, and you are the first person to hear that one. I and I've never asked that question. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm gonna have to go watch the West Side Story now. That's yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. We're getting a new one before too long, if I remember correctly. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was uh, heavily into musicals and stuff at one time, and music is a whole nother world for me. How about there? Are you ever uh, involved with musicals? Any on stage? Uh, well, just church stuff. Okay. Okay. Like yeah. Church, yeah, church stuff. Yeah. Okay. Do you happen to catch church. the um? Do you happen to catch the Disney sing along the other night? Uh, I probably I don't I don't remember a Disney sing along, but my children are heavily into music too, and they were watching like a a movie that had sing it but i don't think it was live i think this was like shake it up or something like that the way they mm -hmm. had i think it was a shake it up movie or something like that but not the disney uh live thing that they had it was on a disney channel but i didn't i don't remember uh the live music yeah proud father he was uh my son 17 months old was standing in the middle of the living room that thing was blaring and he was bouncing <laughs> up and down <laughs> the happiest little little guy you could see and then they got a part two coming out. So nice. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. Music, music is powerful, man. Music oh, yeah. is powerful. Yeah. You can you can just about name a part of your life and and or a song comes on and it'll bring you to a part of your life. Mm -hmm. um, 100%. That you were. 
Yeah, no, um, a couple of our guys here are heavily involved with music. I know. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly the reason I missed uh, the trivia <laughs> night was because I was recording church from my church playing bass. So, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I sing in a place in my church. <laughs> okay. So, well, that's, yeah. that's why I couldn't could make it to the trivia night because we were pre recording church for Sunday. <laughs> I, you you were you were you were in the right place then. <laughs> I, I think so. We well, you know, the, these guys did okay without Jeff and I. So I, you know, the Lord was with them. We had like four, what, forty-three points or fifty-three points somewhere in there. Forty-eight. Yeah, points. like fifty-three. Yeah, they went. They went ahead and gave us the one, so we ended they up did? fifty-three. Okay. Yeah. Then y'all have seen y'all have seen more than I. Y'all got to send me this stuff, man. Maybe. Maybe I'm the one out of the loop. <laughs> <laughs> well, now when we talked with uh, with Beercy and Bruiser, he was saying he also wasn't told. So I just okay. know the wrestlers were told. Yeah. So um, whoever was on Greg H's team and Jay Dunkerley's fan club, they both got 72 points. And then you had WrestleTalk.com uh, that had 71. What mm -hmm. what wrestler was on their team? Um, it didn't say in the email, but like you said, it was probably Kenny King or it was Todd Sinclair. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I want to say from what I saw, Russell Talk had Bruiser. Yeah, Russell Bru Talk had Bru Bruiser. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with any knowledge of Bruiser because Bruiser knows a lot of wrestling, so he. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna deny his is not. It's just some people like if you if you say some people like so and so was on the team that got 72 points. I'm like Google. <laughs> I'm still sold that Matt Taven looked up every answer. Either he looked up every answer, or he wrote down Matt Taven for every answer. <laughs> but Matt Taven, but I, the only thing I can say with Matt Taven is, since I've been in Ring of Honor, he's at least been trying to get into Ring of Honor. Oh, you know what I mean? Right. So he, he's been around a long. He's been around a long time too. Yeah. 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 Well, if, if I could, if I, if I could sort of segue from that, you know, the last couple of weeks we had um, Bear City Bruiser on, we've had, and we had Brian Malonis on, and you know, both those guys trained, you know, they, they did it the other way. Both of them had, you know, trained with old school like masters, Killer Kowalski mm -hmm. and uh, Harley Race. And so you, on the other hand, is sort of the new generation where, you know, you have some of these guys that just start their own federation, like, you know, besides the Hardys, you had the Young Bucks, you know, Will Ospreay and the guys in the UK did that. And it's and so, you know, how is that different, do you think? You know, obviously, uh, you know what, how you trained. Yeah, right. I trained in the, in the, in the 90s, mid-90s, and uh, it was almost a sore, a sore spot for me because we were ahead of time. Right. Like we, we were ahead of the program. We were training like the luchadors. We were doing like ECW stuff and we was watching WCW, but everybody, all the indie scenes, like Omega was the cream of the crop. Like we were bringing in guys from everywhere that would cream the crop. However, if I went to go wrestle somewhere else, it was like stepping into 1982 NWA. It was, it was all, it was like, what's your finishing move? Power slam. Like, you know what I mean? It was, and, and so, and so me, it's the fact that the uh, young bucks were getting now about being spot monkeys and all that type of stuff mm -hmm. is what we used to get. Because right. like, you know, we all had like signature moves and we had like, you know, signature sets and stuff that we did. And we come into these things like, I oh, ain't got to call in the ring, brother. Call in the <laughs> ring. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but I got some really cool, you know, or whatever. And so, um, they was like, so you guys, you're messing up the business. 
or whatever. But like it, it, so it was a it was a time frame uh, to where guys that wrestled like the Omega guys, we were either catapulted to the instant star over any promotion we went to, or they didn't want to use us because because the Booker was the star. Right. That's right. Yeah, well, I could. It was a, it was a huge. That's that's kind of a thing as I was noticing it, doing my you know research on on your career. I mean that's I mean that's that's a that's that's a reality of the of the situation. You have the guys that sort of came up the old way, and then the new guys that just sort of said, "Hey, we're going to bust the door down," and yeah. you know huge huge respect for that because I think that's uh, you know that's kind of where we are in the business now. The whole the gatekeeper thing isn't really where it's what's what's working anymore. Uh, and Oh, go ahead. Like one guy that I can say, uh, he gets a lot of flack um, or whatever, but that I could say he wanted to hold on to tradition for good reasons. To me, it would have to be Jim Cornette because I've worked right. with Jim Cornette and he gets a lot of, <laughs> yeah, and I, he gets a lot of flack. But I know Jim Cornette, even though I don't agree with a lot of things he says or does, I know it comes from a good place for him. Because he because he loves the sport, and there are some things that he says, you know, you just, you just listen to, and you're like, he's not all the way wrong. He just <laughs> might, be, he might just be saying it the wrong way. And, and with today's uh, time, everybody looks to be insulted or looks to be offended. Nobody can really hear what he's saying. Right. Yeah. I, know, I would agree 100. Uh, percent Yeah, a couple of us are not the biggest of Jim Cornette fans, and after his. Yeah, I, on yep. a dark side, we were like, you know what? He might not be such a. <laughs> oh, dark... Have you been watching the dark side of wrestling? Yes. Yes. Oh my god! Like I'm, it, it blows me away because like the, the Bruno San Martino and all, all this stuff. I was a kid when this stuff happened, and I remember like watching TV, and then they just kind of like he's not there anymore, and you know what I mean? Like uh, oh, yeah. a lot of like the Superfly Jimmy Snook and stuff. I'm like, wow. That's some good. It's good. It is. I gotta ask. He's, one season one was good. good. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. I gotta ask because we do a running uh, track of what we think everyone's favorite episode is. What's your favorite episode so far? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I was really shocked with the fabulous Mula episode. Okay. Yeah. I was. I was really shocked with that one because um, I had one. no idea. I, I had no idea. Um, you kind of can you tell me like one of some of the episodes because like at the, off the top of my head I can't think of all of them. But like the ones I know is like Jimmy Snooker. That was good. <laughs> I, uh, I saw the because uh, I, I get season one and season two kind of mixed up because I watched when I saw season two. I was like, what have I been missing? And I've been to watch season one. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. Season season one was uh, Devon Eriks, uh, Gino Hernandez, yeah. uh, Macho yeah. Man, and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Um, Screwjob, Montreal Screwjob. Yeah, the Montreal Screwjob. My favorite one from season one will have to be Bruiser Brody and Devon Eriks because yeah. I was really in because I was in the NWA where I lived. I lived in North Carolina. But like on my TV, when we got cable, I was able to watch World Class Championship Wrestling, like right. Iceman King Parsons and the Von Erics and uh, Lance Von Eric, and then there's Mr. Electricity, and then there was uh, the, Berser the Berserker, there was the Bruiser, there was all these guys, and so it was like a whole other world to me. And so uh, I, when 
when the Von Eric thing was going on, and even with Bruiser Brody, like I remember that time frame, and to me, I was too young to process what was going on. But then watching it back and knowing some of the people now, like because a lot of the people that are getting interviewed, like I know, I, I you know, and and you see these guys, and you know, like this guy's not lying, this guy's telling the truth. Like Tony Atlas, he, he gotta tell the truth. <laughs> he's not gonna remember a lot, like he, you know what I'm saying. So he, he's he's one of those. Tony Alice is one of those old guys that it kind of like me. I'm I'm too dumb to tell a lie because I ain't gonna remember the lie I told. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So you just might as well tell the truth, you know. So if Tony Atlas says it, I, I'm like, hey, well, he got a lie about for sure. Uh, and for got, season two. Uh, we've had Benoit, New Jack, Brawl for All, Snuka, Dino Brava, and Dave Schultz. Okay. Uh, the, the first one you said, what was the first one you said? The Benoit. Chris Benoit. That was powerful, man. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, man, that broke my heart, man. Even like, uh, wow, that, that, was, that was probably the most emotional one because I feel like, because during the Chris Benoit stuff, I was, I was working with WWE. Oh, and so wow. I was a, I was an extra. I wasn't like I, I didn't want to say this wrong. And some jive turkey watched the video and Google. But yeah. I was I was one of the main extras. And so I was when that stuff was happening through 2006 2009. I was overseas, but I knew everybody on, on the roster. Mm -hmm. So okay. so when so I'm watching this thing and like it's hitting a whole lot of emotional keys because I really remember the specifics of that time you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so yeah that 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 was that was a tough one that the brawl for all to me was just funny <laughs> was just, wow yeah. and, so, and, did, but like i didn't know the damage that it did because i i was a huge dr death steve williams fan mm -hmm. uh, even when he was in the uwf so when he came right, to yeah. wwe the wwf at the time I just knew like he was about to wreck shop. Like I because I remember Doctor, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh and I knew he was good with Jim Ross and all those guys. And so I, I just knew it was about to turn, you know, to Dr. Death Show. And then after the Bronx for all, he just it just kinda like, wow. It washed back to Japan. Did yeah. did, did any of did any of them like change your mind at all about some because I know these guys Jeff and I were we're semi cornet guys so we agree with Jim Cornet a lot and these guys give him but after um, they watched the that they they sort of changed their opinion so yeah has, I, that, has your opinion changed on anybody on those I've I've always been the way I am with Cornet Cornet and I are friends and not friends like oh Cornet how you doing or whatever like that it's just. When I started at Ring of Honor, he was one of the producers, you know, right. and right. and he's never he's never did anything to me. Now he has stories and all that stuff to where I was like a dag on Jim Cornette, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> there are some guys that some some of my great friends feel that way about it, but like I can't hate somebody just because one of my friends hate him. You know what I mean? I give everybody 100, mm percent -hmm. and he's been 100 percent with me. And then even it'll be years before we see each other. Or whatever, and, and uh, I seen him. The next time I saw him was at the uh, NWA, uh, the uh, tag team, uh, Crockett Cup, the Crockett Cup, Crockett Cup. Yeah. and and he came up. He approached me. He was like, "Hey, Caprice, how you doing?" And da -da -da, you know this. And then when the Midnight Express, he was standing with the Midnight Express at the time, and we were going over. Uh, they told me that I was going to be interviewing the Midnight Express, and he was like, "Thank you." He said, I didn't know who was going to be interviewing them, but down there, they, they, you're interviewing them. I don't have to worry about a thing. And he just kind of 
threw out the skeleton for the Midnight Express uh, interview, and he left because he was like, I don't have. He's like, if you if you're doing it, I don't have to worry about anything. So he, that's the type of way Jim Cornette. He's even uh, I worked a lot with him with my promos because uh, at the time that he was there, um, we had like promo days. We would get flown in like a day or two early, and we would shoot like pre uh, promos. We had like pre tape day. Or whatever, and um, and so that's when I got to spend a whole lot of time with him, and his knowledge for a business is, is unparalleled, and his wit is is unmatched anywhere. Like the the timing, his timing on his wit is is impeccable, impeccable. And then and the knowledge that he has, and, and it's got him in trouble because some of the stuff he says on top of his head, you know, is got him costing some jobs, you know, because it's just in him, it's just, it's him. I, he probably should have been like a Southern Baptist preacher or something. He's he's good. Like <laughs> coming brother love. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, the only the only person I would say that that thing has changed my mind about um what has to be Vince Russo. Like I, I lost a lot of respect <laughs> for, for Russo because I didn't know that he when you think it, from a wrestler's point of view, when you think of the way wrestling was when I was a huge wrestling fan and the way it is now, something happened to to make it entertainment. Because there's a whole lot of people that even now they're like, is that stuff this, is it that, or whatever like that. And they, they question it. But to me, Russo was the one that like really like pulled the curtains behind because uh, I know the last one I watched was the the interview with um, uh, Dr. D. Um, yeah, that that whole thing, and that was a big deal. But it was still, is it this? Is it that? You know what I'm saying? Mm. But right. but Russo to me turned professional wrestling into a like a I don't know like J a, a Jerry Springer, like a yeah <laughs> yeah 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 like yeah. And a lot of people remember the attitude there, and that's when it was good. But it's kind of like that's when wrestling went from wrestling to like reality TV or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and and it changed. It changed. Even being a professional wrestler is different now because uh, I don't. I don't. People be like, "Hey, how you doing?" If I never met them or whatever, I don't tell them what I do. If they ask me, I might bring it up, but it, it changes the whole conversation. Because I do, I do so many other things. But when you bring up pro wrestling, like the whole atmosphere of the conversation changes because so many people have uh, different levels of opinions about professional wrestling, and so it, it, it every conversation is almost the same but different at the same time, you know. And so uh, it's just changed. Like everybody has a, a weird opinion about it now. That's true. Uh, I, that uh, one of your other job jobs i don't know if you how often you actually do this is being a minister uh how does being that a christian minister uh in professional wrestling is there ever any conflict uh is how did how did you kind of navigate yeah well well i was i was a christian first i was a minister uh, and all this stuff way before i got into wrestling and so i already knew who i was and uh, through the grace of God, because of the years that I have been wrestling, because I'm I'm over 22 years now. Um, whenever I would walk in the door, people already know who I am and what I stand for, you know. And so it's been very, very, very rare 
situations to where anything was ever questioned about what I would do, what I would say, and all. And, and in, for the most part, um, I'm not a Bible beater. I don't walk around saying, did you go, did you do this? I, 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 I've heard it saying, it says, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. And if you have to use words, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm one of the ones that I want to live my life. I'm not perfect. I don't judge anybody that's not perfect because I'm not perfect. If you're not trying to, if you're not walking around saying that, that you're a Christian and you save and, 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 and you're living any kind of way, who am I to say anything about you? A duck's going to like a duck. You know what I'm saying? Now, if I see that duck barking, I see a duck barking, I'm going to say something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? And, and so, and so it's always been my job to live. It's, it's my job to live the life in front of them. And when I live the life in front of them uh, through the grace of God, they see that it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a character, you know what I'm saying? And so they respect it, you know? And so I've, I've even seen situations to where, you know, there'd be rats or, or whatever around and, and the rats would be questioned about who I am. And the guys would be like, leave him alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I don't, to where I don't even get approached with a lot of mess because the guys take care of me, you know? And, right. and um, a lot of them, if they want to talk about something, I try to stay approachable. Uh, and all, and and they know, like some some friends I have that I'm closer to, some guys and others, and they know they know me and all, and and so it's more on me to be who I am. Um, there was a situation one time in Wildside where uh, I had to work with uh, a wrestler who was like a, pro a pronounced Satanist or whatever like that, and they brought me in a room and it's like, hey, we want you to work a match with him. I know that he's a Satanist and all that. Are you okay with working with him? I was like, why wouldn't I be? I'm, I serve the true and living God. Why would I be here working with somebody that doesn't? You know, and um, we had a great program and we talked and all that stuff and I wasn't like doing this. And I think through the program, he saw my life. He saw who I was. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it changed him, but I wasn't going to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not touching that guy. Why? You know, I, I stand beside, behind something that not only that uh, I believe for a long time, but I have a personal relationship with it. So it's, I, I've been through too much for somebody to try to talk me through this stuff <laughs> or, or talk me out of it, you know? And so uh, it's, you can't make me doubt them. I know too much about them. You know, you might want to ask the next question because you're going <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, real quick, because I feel like this is a good time to bring this up. Todd, and once again, I'm going to apologize because I feel like I'm going to mess it up every time. Todd Bose's uh, put in the comment section that uh, he met AJ Styles uh, during his post-TNA pre-New Japan run uh, where he was still working some of the Ring of Honor shows and uh, saying knowing he was a Christian asked him who else in the business was also a Christian uh, he said the first person uh, he said was Caprice Coleman and nothing but incredible things to say about you uh, who so said that? that? Uh, this is Todd Bose he's in our, he's in our uh, commentary section on Facebook right now. Uh-huh. And he, he said, AJ Styles said that about me? Yeah, sir. Yep. Oh, that's cool, man. Hey, I've known, I knew AJ uh, from Wildside. When I got to Wildside, he was already there. And um, he he's good. I, I have nothing bad to say about AJ. Actually, AJ Styles was the person that, there was a time where I was getting ready to give up professional wrestling because I, I was in the ministry uh, I was ordained and all that, and and my pastor uh, at that time was like, "You're gonna have to make a choice. Either it's gonna be wrestling, or it's gonna be the Lord." You know, and I was I was getting ready to give up wrestling. You know, and I remember uh, talking to AJ. 
I didn't talk to him about it. I just had to go to, uh, at that time, we was going to NWA Wildside. They did a TV tape. It's like every other week. And the next time I did the TV tape in there, AJ Styles came up to me. He was like, hey, man, you know, I want to um, ask you something. He's like, what? He said, well, I work with this promotion down in Texas called Christian Wrestling Federation. And, um, and they asked me, did I know any other Christians in wrestling? And I told them about you. Would you be interested in working with them? I was like, yeah. You know, and so he gave me their contacts. They flew me in. And the first show I did with them, um, I wrestled I wrestled in the main event. And I gave, like, we, it's like they have matches. And then in between, like, they have matches. And then, like, they have, like, a testimony. And then they have, like, intermission. And then they have, like, you know, the main events. And after the main event, they have, like, a, like a message or whatever. And so I was in the main event. And I gave the message, you know, that. The first, my first CWF show, 32 people gave their lives to Christ. And that, that let me know, that let me know right there that it, it the timing on that and everything let me know that I was in the right place, you know? And so that's why I never gave wrestling up. And AJ Styles opened that door for me. And that's, I'll never forget that. That's incredible. That's awesome. That's that is awesome. incredible. So who are some of the other guys? Was that like? Um, Ted DiBiase and uh, I know Nikita Koloff, and they just no Ted DiBiase's no Ted DiBiase's thing was different. Um, okay. I think he had XWF or, or something like that. Um, right. or whatever. I I, w- I had interest in there, but I think before I was able to contact them, I think they had already went under, or DiBiase okay. had got a job at WWE, or he he had got like work somewhere, and I think the company after he got work, it kind of went under or whatever. Right. Um. But this this is a you can look them up now. Christian Wrestling Federation. They just had their twenty five year anniversary, uh, or whatever. And um, yeah, I, I've been with them for years. And um, it's the only sad thing is, um, I signed an exclusive contract with Ring of Honor a couple of years ago, and so I can't work with them now. But I'm still in contact with all of them. All right. Well, we don't mind putting them over here. That's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they have they have over uh over the years. Thousands of people have uh, come to Christ through that ministry. Thousands. Because, you know, you, you can't talk everybody to come into church, but you can talk just about anybody coming to the rest of the show. Through the years and, uh, you know, of all your time wrestling, what would you say, um, I mean, not necessarily your best match, but like um, best angle, best program, or like w- when did you maybe get to a point in your wrestling career where you thought like, man, like I'm at the top of my game or like you felt like you could do anything or, you know, you just, you just were in, in the zone, you know? As a couple of times, I think the first time will have to be NWA Wildside. And I'll probably be talking about that a lot because uh, NWA Wildside was a promotion that, um, I think it's NWA Anarchy now, but it was a promotion that was a developmental deal for WCW for a while. And um, they did TV tapings like every other week. And um, so sometimes the guys from WCW would be there uh, or whatever. And there was a guy, uh, Jason Cross. Well, I, Jimmy Rave was a good feud. Uh, Jason, Jimmy Rave was a feud. Uh, it kind of put my ego in check. Because there was a time to where I, I felt like I had it all because I was a good talker. I had the moves and all this stuff. And here comes this skinny guy that I'm working a program with. And I'm like, why do they keep putting me up against this guy? You know, 
and then I saw how good he was, you know. Um, and so it made me realize that, you know, you can't have an ego in this thing, and that ego can push you down, you know. Um, but then uh, Jeff G. Bailey had an organization, and in, in his organization he had uh, this guy named J.C. Daz. J.C. Daz was feuding with A.J. Styles. A.J. Styles went to TNA, and so, uh, not J.C. Daz, um, Jason Cross. So Jason Cross started feuding with me. So that was like my push. And we had uh, a plethora of matches, and those matches, I feel, uh, what made is what made me feel like, man, I, I can do this. Like, I can do this. You know, because even working those matches out, man, some of the, if you go back and watch any of those, we had this one thing where um, we both were knocked out at the same time, but the, the way it happened was we both did springboard clotheslines and we met dead center in the middle of the air and clotheslined each other at the same time. And that was like the, the, the double knockout. Oh, like, yeah, and it was, it was right. like, I, I was like, at that, that time, I was like, I could tell my body to do whatever and it's going to do it. And I could look at something. I remember like I could walk somewhere and I could tell whether I could jump on top of this thing or whether I would have to use my hands. Like I was in tune with my body enough to where I, I knew everything my body could do uh, before it do this. Somebody said, how many pushups can you do right now? 55. Like, you know what I'm saying? I got knock out 55 pushups or whatever. Um, I was in tune with my body. And then when I moved overseas, uh, I lived in Kuwait for three years, um, and the wrestling bug just started biting me, biting me, biting me, and so I started getting back in shape for wrestling when I moved back in to America, and I told him I was there. My whole story with Cedric Alexander uh, is, is what came about, and that's a whole other story. Uh, basically, long story short is I moved back in the country thinking I was going to take over the wrestling world, and everybody that I called was like, yeah, we could use you, uh, but we're going to pay you this much. It's like, no, this is my feed. It's like, well, we could pay Cedric Alexander this much, and he's going to do this. I'm like, well, we'll pay Cedric Alexander. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> shoot, pay. you know, and then after a while, I was like, who is this guy? You know, and so I was booking a show with him, and he was like one of the, the first half, on the first half of the match, and um, I saw him in the back dressing room and spoke to him like I speak to everybody else. He was a little kid at the time, had it close cut fade and all that stuff he's still in training school and um his match went on and man i i was right at the curtain like just trying to see who's this little kid taking all my daggone bookings you know and um i watched this kid for 30 seconds and i was like he's amazing like my my first i was like this this guy is amazing and it was in my heart there because I had been in the sport at that time for, for more than 10 years to where, uh, and I was at that show with one of, with my mentor, like a guy that helped me all the way through wrestling where, and we just happened to be on that same show. And so it was kind of like, yo, you got to pay it forward. You know what I mean? And so I talked to him and, uh, and we became friends or whatever like that. And then we were going to like, we would always end up at the same like wrestling seminars. And we had this ongoing joke, like, man, you know, go to the other side of the ring or the, the other side of the uh, training studio because they see us together. They're going to make us a tag team. They're going to try to perform the Ebony Express, you know, control, control, control or something. And so we just had that ongoing joke. And he would, if he got there first, I'd be like, you got to leave. You got to leave the locker room. You know what I'm like, no, I was here first. You go to the next locker room. <laughs> so that was like our joke. So then uh, Ring of Honor called me and asked me if I was able to hold a full-time schedule and at the time they called me I was 35 years old um 
I believe. And um, I was like, yeah, I hold a full-time schedule. They said, well, we got this idea. You working with this young guy and you kind of be his mentor or whatever. And I was like, well, what's his name? It's like Cedric Alexander. We had never, we had never tagged before. We were just like, we became friends. And when we got the Ring of Honor, and you can look this up, our very first match with each other was against uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. And uh, they were Future Shock. They were called Future Shock. That was the first time we ever tagged it or anything. If you go back and watch that match, man, like our chemistry, it it was it was undeniable. And it was like he he was this young guy that that hit hard, and like everything he did was like wow, you know, pedal to the metal type thing. And I was the innovative talker, you know what I'm saying? So I had the cool moves, and he had the hard hitting strikes, and it it was just and that connection right there, man. It was it was that time too. I felt like man, you know, this this could go anywhere. If uh um if if I could if I could piggyback off of that being the um the uh, ring of uh, aficionado as I am and also being the uh, resident black guy on the show, um, <laughs> I was uh, uh, so no no so it, 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 it's funny no no it, it's funny it's funny you say that because I always tell the other guys like WWE and, and everywhere else like people like with race and wrestling people tend to put black guys together no matter what. You know, they always put the brothers together. So, you know, for whatever reason. But with that being said, um, when I started watching Ring of Honor many moons ago, um, you and Cedric were good. And I remember seeing you the first time and thinking, like, like, oh, God, they're going to put two brothers together again. Like, you know what I mean? But then the, the more I watched, and I was like, man, like, these guys are legit. You're legit. He was – or he is legit. You know what I mean? And it yeah. just from a fan's point of view – um, with all the random, you know, and no disrespect to those guys because they're making a living. But, you know, to all the promoters and everybody else that wants to put black guys together, you guys just weren't, if it's any, you know, yeah. you know, it, you weren't just two black guys together. You were two right. really super talented wrestlers that were real wrestlers. And, and the good thing about that, you, you are, everything you said is 100% right. Um, and I felt that way when we used to joke about putting us together as a tag. Uh, but then, like, we were put together as a tag on Ring of Honor and we started spending time together, whatever like that. We were a tag team that even when the cameras weren't there, we were always together. Like he was kind of like, he was my little brother, you know? And like, and over time we were together like four, three or four years over time. He went from being like my mentee from my, to my little brother, to my brother, to like a friend, you know what I mean? And uh, and it, we were just even now like we, we're still cool, you know. It is it, it it was one of yeah. those tag. There are a lot of tag teams that don't get along, that don't like each other, you know. That want that wanted to be broken up and all that stuff, but that that wasn't us, you know. There was a time where, um, I knew going in that I was gonna be his mentor, and eventually he would go off into his own thing or whatever. So my whole thing there was for us to be a tag team as long as possible. But then when I started seeing the stuff he was doing elsewhere, I could no longer, like, I'm like, man, I can't hold you back. Like, you're a star. You know what I'm saying? Like, go do your thing, you know? So they split us up, and I did my singles thing, and he did his singles thing, and just boom, you know? And it's kind of like we always knew he had it, but, like, the things he didn't have, I kind of had as far as, like, the personality, the talking, and all that stuff. And so it, it all meshed together, and he had enough of it when we split up to where he was the total package. 
Have you had a chance to see him, uh, he and Ricochet, do their oh, thing now in WWE? Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. If there was ever a time where I was more jealous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Man. But they are amazing. For sure. They are amazing. Yeah. And I remember yeah. when they first tagged, I was like, oh, sure, put the two black guys together. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whatever. And, and I remember watching them tag, and I think they were, who I forgot who they were wrestling, but I know they went under in that mm -hmm. match. Was it Viking Raiders? Mm -hmm. They fought them recently. Yeah, I know they <laughs> lost to Viking Raiders and then beat one two punch. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't. I don't know if it was the Viking Raiders. It might have been the Viking Raiders because I'm, I'm good friends with them too. Um, but I remember watching them and being like, there was a time watching Cedric. I'm like, they're not, they're not going to do anything. They're not doing, they're not doing them right. They're not using them right. And mm -hmm. I could tell what he didn't feel comfortable because like, yeah. WWE is a world where the best wrestlers aren't the champions. Right. But the, the entertainers are the champions. You know, if you look at Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan didn't have a great move set. He was charismatic. The Rock didn't mm -hmm. have a great, great move set. Oh, he was, he was charismatic. He's a good wrestler. But all these guys are, are basics, you know, basic wrestlers. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, they aren't, you know. And so there's, there's a world. They're great wrestlers. But their charisma is what, you know, takes them over to the top. And so if you're lacking in that department, you could be, like, I guess I would say Dean Malenko, who I feel is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. But personality-wise, he's not. You know what I'm saying? And so you got one of these guys that that can hold that can wrestle you from the sun up to sun down and show you stuff you've never seen before, but that's not what the wrestling world is looking for now. They want to see entertainers. So I feel Cedric had gotten to a part to where they was like, okay, well, he's not an entertainer, but I was like, bro, he's probably one of the best wrestlers there. You know what I mean? Right. But but it was a time where they were just bringing him in and they were just you know doing stuff to him. And I was like, man, I just hope I want something to happen for him. And that, that tag team, they, you can't deny that. You cannot yeah. deny that. You cannot yeah. deny that. So I believe that was a great uh, a great move. Whoever's idea it was, it might have been putting two black guys together or whatever. But they, <laughs> they put them two jokes together. And, like, I, when I first watched it, I was like, they ain't going to be as good as C&C. Tell you that much. <laughs> really, shoot, ain't nobody. Because I brought out the best in that young man. And I watched that tag on I was like, dang, these guys are amazing. They they are phenomenal. Phenomenal. Every now and then it works out. And they if they don't if they don't if they're not champions in a year, man, I don't I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm those, they're, they're great. Yeah, they are great. Great. Well, I heard you mention something about um being in Kuwait uh for a little bit. Uh how did you man how did you get over to Kuwait? Uh my cousin um worked in in she did like military contracting or whatever and um they were they were looking for military contractors which is basically like you're not in the military but you work for the military it's like you have civilian jobs or whatever and i had just gotten married and um my wife and i you know we was, was nine to five type i have i've always been in the wrestling so i couldn't hold a nine to five at that time so during that time this was like 2000 2006 era I was with WWE a lot and I, I kept thinking I was going to get a job with WWE and it just never worked out never worked out never worked out to a point to where 
I didn't have a regular nine to five. I'm thinking I'm getting ready to be a, w, a WWE superstar and it just wasn't working out. And, um, and so that she came to me and she said, Hey, we're looking for people that can work, that have a good work ethic, uh, and all to come overseas, uh, or whatever. And, uh, Ooh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Somebody else is trying to, Oh, ignore. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Somebody else was trying to get me on a Zoom call. I was like, did I lose contact or something? Then I phone fell. But anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, so I went over there. I got the job over there, and I stayed there for three years. And so I did logistics work for the military, uh, basically like soldiers move in and out of the country. And what I did was handle their personal effects to where, uh, like, they, uh, they allowed a certain amount of, weight as far as like they could ship their clothes over and then some of them could ship cars over some of them could ship furniture over depending on what their rank was or whatever like that and i just monitored the stuff coming in uh and i was over the moving crews like they had moving crews from kuwait and so i just looked at the stuff coming in making sure nothing going in was illegal nothing going out was illegal or uh, whatever and help them help the military personnel come in and out of the country safely awesome nice. Chad, you get to see any of those shows when the don't they have some wrestling shows over there? Oh man, yeah, and they was crazy because in a way they were like six months behind. So when I when I got to Kuwait, it was crazy because I would be walking down the street and they would say, "You WWE, I know you," because I was in I was in WWE a lot. And I was like, really? That's like, yeah, you don't win. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's me. That's me. Oh, so nice. So cool. Come in, come in. <laughs> so I was, I was an instant star with them, man. Like, if they, if they watch wrestling, like, I was, it was kind of like I was on TV. Uh, stuff that was shot six months ago was showing there or whatever. And it was like me doing matches with Chris Masters and, and, uh, just different people I did matches with or whatever on Velocity or whatever like that. They were big on like Velocity uh, or whatever. And I was on a lot of Velocity and all that. And so they was like, uh, we know you, WWE. It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, shoot. It's like, you don't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was the thing, man. That, that was it. I didn't care. Shoot. It's <laughs> all right. All right. So we have a couple other questions here. I'm trying to make sure we don't run out of time. Um, yeah. So uh, what's been one of the, uh, your favorite matches that you've gotten to wrestle so far, as well as uh, do you have a favorite match that you've been able to call on commentary for? Oh, man. Commentary. Um, and that's a whole other conversation because uh, I would say my favorite match commentary-wise would have to be um, Jay Lethal versus Jonathan Gresham masters of the craft um i'm not going to try to spit out a year because i'm, I'm going to mess it up uh or whatever but it, it had to be between 2017 and now but uh we knew they were going to wrestle and it was going to be you know a technical match but i remember calling that match and just like being amazed and like one thing that i i try to do in commentary is all of my emotions are wrong like, I'm, I'm a fan watching it. You know, I love what I'm watching. I love my job. I love what I do. And I try my best to make whatever I'm watching at the time about those people, you know, because I hate, you know, watching uh, 
commentary or, or wrestling or whatever, and, and the person on commentary is trying to put himself over. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. like, man, there's, there's, there's two guys in the ring that are supposed to be in the ring, you know, and it's my job to get that story across while they're in the ring, what they're doing in the ring, how much athleticism it takes, and, you know, the, the, the different styles or whatever like that. And it was just a match that was so, so fun to call because they had so many stories in the match that, that uh, if you were just watching, you could kind of overlook. But I had, through the grace of God, I had the ability to pull it out to where when I would go back on Twitter, people were like, man, Caprice Coleman really, you know, made that match make sense or whatever like that. But the match was one of the best matches I saw. And then uh, Madison Square Garden, I don't remember a specific match, um, but I remember looking out in Madison Square Garden and seeing over 26,000 people and realizing I'm in Madison Square Garden and the tears just started going down my eyes, man. I'm like, there's no, you can't, you can't fake that. Like this, I'm in Madison freaking Square Garden working. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's moments yeah. like that. Um, the Mecca. I, I rem- yeah, yeah. I remember calling my first pay-per-view. Um, and at the time, I think Colt Cabana was there. And I think he um, he couldn't make that show. So I w- I've been like a third wheel for a long time in Ring of Honor. And then every once in a while, it's me and the comment, me, just me and the, the play-by-play guy. And I, I remember it was me and Rick Abani, um on one of the pay-per-views where it was just me and him. And it just gelled off. And I was like, man, like, we're really doing this. You know what I mean? And uh, I think I had a time with Nick Aldis. Me and Nick Aldis called a show. And, like, we gelled together. Like, he, he's a good person, too. You know? So uh, those are the times with, with uh, commentary that just let me know that, you know, uh, I feel I'm in, I'm in a good place. And I, I never, I never, if you told me 10 years ago that I was going to be a wrestling commentator, I would probably laugh. But now, um, when people, and then people say, you're a commentator now, like it's a bad thing. I'm like, man, I have a job. I love my job. I love what I'm doing. I truly like, I miss my job, you know? Um, there, 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 how many people in life get to work their dream, the job they wanted to do since they was three years old, or, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and they're actually doing it. Not only was I able to do it, but I'm still in transition to where if I ever hang the boots up, I have a transition to go into with commentary. And I might already be there, but I mean, I still, I still hold uh, titles in other countries, you know, so I still wrestle, you know, but like, um, it's just my main job in the States is commentary and I love it. Uh, what was it like making that transition from being more wrestler based to being more commentary? Um, I, it was a transition that I wasn't aware of until it happened. And I think it kind of, my take on it is that I feel Ring of Honor had took a turn to where Ring of Honor tries to stay as much as a sport as possible, much as athleticism as possible. And and I had the athleticism and sports and all, but I'm an entertainer as well, you know? And so uh, I think it got to the point to where they, they just, they were using me where I fit best at. You know, and um, I remember talking to them one time because I would go there sometimes and I would be helping producing or I'd be doing something in the back or I would be interviewing somebody and they gave me the Coleman's pulpit. And then, like, I was manager for ANX for a while. You know, we did Rebellion. We did this or whatever. And I just noticed that I was wrestling less and talking more, you know. And I was like, oh, man, I'm about to lose my job. <laughs> I, thought it was like, I thought it was trying to find a way to kind of, you know, push me out or whatever. Um and then I was like, you know, am I good? You know, during one of my uh, 
yearly contracts negotiations, whatever it is. Like, no, you good. They say you, the way they explain. They say you know you'd like Swiss Army knife, a ring of honor. You know, we know wherever we put you at is going to be good, and we're where you we need you at now. They say stay in shape. They said uh, don't 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 fall out of shape because if we need you in the ring and then you jump in there, you got a big old pot belly. <laughs> you know what I mean, um, or whatever. But they say, you know, you're where we need you at now. And Ring of Honor's never lied to me. Um, people say, well, where are you gonna go? When are you gonna go to WWE? You know, they WWE just fired like 75 people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of those people are trying to get jobs at, at, at Ring of Honor, other places. And I don't. And I'm not shooting bad on any of those guys because it hurts when you know a lot of people that work their whole life to get to a place like that and then that happens so i'm not saying ha 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 look at me or whatever like, i just like through the grace of god i'm in a place of security with, with ring of honor oh, and a place where everybody looks at as security as the mecca had to let go a lot of people you know mm -hmm. and that wouldn't have been part of that if i was there or if i did go there or whatever because they and they let go some great people man some some great workers some great producers I know some of them are furloughed, which means whenever this thing gets back, you know, on, whenever things get back cooking again, they get their job back. But it's still like we're not paying you, you know. Right. So uh, that that was that was probably the saddest day in wrestling for a lot mm -hmm. of wrestlers because as a WWE star, that's sad. But then as somebody looking to go to the WWE and seeing your your dream having issues. Mm -hmm. Did you, see you know what I'm saying? That's that, like your dream, the per, the place you want to go is firing people. Because mm. of the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, what am I dreaming? What am I wanting? What am I doing with my life? You know what I mean? It was mm. it was a check for a whole lot of people, man. And um, it was a sad day, man, even thinking about it now. And um, I see some friends now that are working there, man, and they're trying their best to like, you know, sell shirts. And it's sad, man. It's like they were they were there. And I probably would have been the same way, like, you know, you're there, so you got money coming in, and you, you're buying a house, and you're buying this, you're buying that, and this pandemic's got everybody hurt, man. Hey, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know you're definitely trying to pull your part on your end to do what you can. Um, I do want to make mention of, of some charity work that you did a little while ago. Yeah. Um, uh, you want to go in a little more detail about that? Oh, you just said I, I'm gonna. You said you was gonna do it, and then you handed it to me. But, <laughs> hey, that, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure that you heard what you said. That's all. But, <laughs> because because I forgot to add humanitarian to the list of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I work for an organization called Premier Christian Events, and what Premier Christian Events uh, does is we put on like concerts, races, and different fundraisers to raise money. Um, and the money that we raise goes to uh, kids that go to Title I schools. And Title I schools are kind of like schools that are in the low-income areas or whatever. And Title I schools, they get they get money uh, or whatever, but the children don't. You know, so you got a lot of right. these kids that, that go to school, man, and, like, they're holding their head up. But when they go to school, that's the only meal they get. You know, they go to school, you know, that's the only – the first time seeing lights because some of them don't have lights. Bruh, I've, I've – I've been out in the morning, and if you want to be humble, you live in a big city and, and, and get up early in the morning and drive by a storage unit, like a, a one of these new extra space storages or something like that, 
just just part by a storage unit. You want to be humble. You 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 park by a, a, a extra space storage unit seven o'clock in the morning, and you see all these kids come out from over the gates and all this stuff to catch a bus because they're homeless and they're living in the storage units mm. with their parents. You know what I'm saying? Or or or, the, or or go by the Salvation Army, and you watch all these kids that that their parents have gone through hard times. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, so they're living in the Salvation Army, and the bus comes to pick them up. And you don't know when these kids get to school, you don't know the difference between these kids because they got to put on that face, like everything is okay. Mm-hmm. They got to wear the Nikes just like everybody else wear the Nikes. You know what I'm saying? They got they got to mm-hmm. put on that facade. When, when, when it's a whole facade and sometimes that, like I said, that meal is the first meal they're getting, that, that hug is the first hug they're getting, that kiss is the first kiss they're getting, the, the way they're being treated, they're looking forward to it, whether it's good or bad, because they know when they go home, they go back to reality, you know? So so this organization is, is kind of to help those kids, man, that are going through um, those hard times. And, and um, I don't know, man, I I was raised up single parent uh, and all, uh, and there have been times where we were homeless, but through the grace of God, we've always had family members where we can go live, you know what I'm saying, or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine um, what it would be like to have to live in a storage unit or, or whatever like that. And if, if God allows me to be able to give back um, to a place to where I can help people that, that go through that type of stuff, man, I mean, I would be less of a person not to. There you go. I... I think the big takeaway for me for trivia night was when you started telling us about this after everything was over, um, yeah. just because it it hit so close to home for uh, Pat, who was on our team, myself. I know Dwight. Uh, we talked about it before Ryan's wife. We we worked for uh, uh, Private Day. We worked for you know the, these are the kids that we see every day. Yeah, They're the ones who come to school. Um, Pat just got a new car just so he can uh, make sure he's getting food deliveries to, to the kids every Friday. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. One of the events we had, uh, and if you go to my Twitter page, I'm trying to get a light because I, I know I'm dark skin, I'm brown skin, and that nose getting dark outside, and, and nobody wanted to say it. Not even my brother that's on the podcast with me or whatever, he, he was just going to let it go. Like, I just started dark skin, it just kept getting darker. But I saw myself disappearing. I'm letting you know, I, I saw it. Like, I saw it. Yeah. So, so one of the events, one of the events, uh, was an annual run, and uh, our annual run is called Beautiful Feet, and it got canceled uh, due to COVID-19, and the money that we raised for that, we buy shoes for an entire Title I school. So when they, when they go through the school year, they, open, they come there and they get a brand new pair of shoes and that event got canceled or whatever. So what we did was we uh, signed up with Amazon and we put the shoes on Amazon that we were going to get for those and then everybody could purchase the shoes or whatever. So the so the the proceeds could still happen even though the race didn't happen. Mm. Um, that's that's <laughs> awesome. And Very I, I, fortunate. I, 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 I was to say I was a teacher at a Title One school, and and you're right. Yeah, we got it. We get extra money, but they have limits of what you can spend that money on, and it's and yeah. it's usually it's usually it's usually equipment or or you know that sometimes they'll hire some specialists and things like that. But I mean, we had like you were saying. I mean, we, I, I would I kept peanut butter jelly socks. Yeah. 
things yeah. like that. Just stuff that I knew that kids would eat. Belts, because a lot of kids would wear their older brother's pants and the pants didn't fit. So I'd always have like stuff like that around because you just, you never know. And my job was to teach them. And if, if I'm hungry or if I'm feeling bad about myself, I certainly can't do well learning. So, you know, it's nice to know there's people like you guys that are partnering with us, you know. The worst part of, this, the worst part of uh, being a child, and this I can attest to, is, is growing up poor. And the main thing you, you, you are told when you leave that house, you better not tell nobody you ain't ate nothing. You know, you better not right. tell nobody you're hungry. You know, you better not tell nobody you ain't got no lights. You better not tell nobody the water's off. I wish you would go out there and tell our business. Oh, you know what I mean? And right. so, I wish you, so would. You, know, you know these kids uh, uh, are going through it, but they're not going to say it. But then as a teacher, I pray, you see it. Right. right. You, yeah. you, you see fun. it. You know something's off. You know that so-and-so is normally a bright kid or whatever, but now he's falling asleep in class. He wasn't normally falling asleep in class. You know what I'm saying? But now he's falling asleep in class. So-and-so is now he's acting out or whatever like that. And now I know they have systems in place that even we get that, like when, when parents are going through that, there's a number they call or whatever. And so the teachers are aware. So the teachers don't call that student out and say, hey, what's going on with you or whatever like that. So mm-hmm. just have more patience or uh, whatever. But like, I, I do know, you know, they, they, that happens, man. And um, and so it's just just knowing that I'm part of an organization that looks out for people like that. It, it makes me feel like, you know, it's giving back. So uh, if anybody would like it. to help out uh, with this fundraiser, I don't know the exact wording you want to use. Uh-huh. Uh, but we have posted that uh, wish list uh, from Amazon in the comments. We have it pinned right now. Uh, cool, man. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to tie that in, actually, um, it means a lot to us, really, that, you know, I, I know uh, someone, Jill, already in our comment section said something that I said very similarly. Um, Brady Rustler, better person. Um, <laughs> We we cannot thank you enough for everything you do, especially for these kids who don't have the voice to speak for themselves. Um, so we we got together um, a little bit earlier before the show and talked it over, got up, and we actually are all buying shoes for from the wish list. Wow. Um, it what you do means a lot, and oh, yeah. any small really thing does. we can do to help is important to us. For sure. Yeah. Thanks, guys. No, thank you for thank all you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are we're a little over our hour. Uh, does anyone have any last quick questions? Because otherwise, we're in a um, heavy note. <laughs> I, I do, I do, uh, Mr. Coleman. Um, what would your uh, I guess, um, uh, not last match, but like if you could wrestle anybody in history at any time, you know, who would it be? Um, Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> man uh, I would to me he was probably the total package mm-hmm. he he was the total package he he was an outstanding wrestler a great entertainer and a good person you know like he yeah. he he just had it all man like I wrestled Travo and that was like a dream come true you know but like Eddie Guerrero, man. I just feel like I could learn so much uh, from him. Um, man, I, Ryan Pillman, 
because he was the first. He was the first. His matches with um Juice and Liger, uh, oh, is, yeah. what, is what brought me from being a wrestling fan to thinking I could do it because he was a cruiserweight at the time. Now think about it: the cruiserweight division was two hundred and twenty pounds and under at that time. Yeah, <laughs> just just think about that, okay? <laughs> so he was still a big dude, but like I remember watching the, the cruiserweight division and thinking, like, man, I, I could I could be a pro wrestler or whatever, and so. Uh, somebody like Brian Pillman. Uh, and then there's Chris Jericho. I, I would love to wrestle him just because Chris Jericho is a person that has transcended time and always mm. been Chris Jericho. But all he has to do is change just a little bit about himself. Right. And, yeah. and he's a he's a brand new person to everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he's man. always everybody Chris believes Jericho. it. Yeah, and yeah. They, <laughs> you believe it, man. He just puts a little twist. He's got a list. It could be like whatever he does, and it's kind of like wow, you know. And he's, he's brand new all over again. So, Chris Jericho is another guy. It's, it's a lot of people, man. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's just leave it alone right there. Is, is that good? Yeah, yeah. You had me at Eddie Guerrero. You had me at Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. Um, Caprice, I I can't thank you enough for coming on. Where? We're over our hour. I know we've kept you outside and we've kept you away from home uh, for a long time. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. We we really appreciate you coming on. And if you don't mind, we'd love to have you back. Hey, I'm I'm down. Just let me know, man. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate what y'all did. And man, that uh, y'all got me in my emotions, man. Saying that y'all like y'all helping out with the calls and stuff, man. Like that that's uh. That's big, man. That's 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 huge. That's huge. I really I really appreciate that. Um, and the cool thing about that, and I'm not gonna make it about that, but the cool thing about that is I purchased shoes there too, and like to see that these shoes don't stay there. Once you purchase them, they disappear. So you know it's not right. who's gonna stack up a whole bunch of shoes different sizes. You know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah. We had we made this thing as real as we could, so people knew that their money was going to the right place, man. And for y'all to link on it, y'all sharing the link, y'all purchasing. Man, thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. Uh, it's our pleasure. Absolutely, man. Anything thank else you. we can do, you know, it's just a message away. Yeah, I appreciate sure. it. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. Um, anything else you need to say, Mr. Coleman? No. Um, no, I think our last words, uh, I don't know, first thing drops in my heart is all this, this pandemic stuff that's going on. Um, I can admit, you know, there are people out there that's like, you know, everybody's, you know, this is not going to affect me. It's not going to affect me. And as Christians, I'm not going to be affected and all that stuff. But I, I want to be one that admits that that's, it had me shook for a long time. You know, that when this together is real, uh, I lost some family members uh, due to COVID-19. I, I saw friends go through some hardships due to COVID-19. Uh, it's serious. I believe that things are getting better. I think we still need to be cautious. But, I, but this brought up for me, um, that I think this is a time in life that we need to realize that um, we need to make peace. You know, there's a lot of people, uh, family members that don't talk to each other, people that don't talk to because of this and because of that and all that stuff. And I get it. Everybody's not going to get along. But the worst thing that can happen is you got your mom that you don't talk to because she was mad at you because you was dating somebody or something crazy and she dies. You realize how much you love her in that instant, you know, so mm-hmm. if there's anybody listening, I'm, I'm probably not talking to anybody, but if there's one person listening that you got all with somebody, um, you don't have to call and say, I'm sorry and all this stuff, but 
we open those doors of communication, man, uh, peace and forgiveness goes a long way because the worst thing that happens, you'd be at a funeral. You can always tell at a funeral, and I, I've done a lot of funerals in ministry, you can always tell what person uh, wasn't right with that person when they died because that's that person that's trying to crawl in the coffin. You know what I'm saying? That's that person that's, you know, you got to hold up because they took that person. They're human. But at that time, you can tell they took that person's existence for, for granted and they didn't make it right before that person died. You know what I mean? And um, and so if, if there's anybody listening that, you know, going through that situation, I would encourage you to like, just, just get, be at peace with that person. That, that's it. That's all I would say. That's my final stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Once again, can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, guys, that's it from PWO. Once again, if you can, please help out. Link is in the comments section. Like, share, subscribe. Follow Mr. Coleman. He's going to be able to give you all the information so you can keep helping. All right. Thank y'all very much. Stay safe. Have a good night. Stay right. safe. Hey, can can y'all edit the part where I started going real dark? And they couldn't see me, and, and my brother didn't help me out, and he just let me start disappearing on there as I was disappearing. I was like, man, all I see is my eyes and my teeth, and my brother was saying, it took me. It just sees the rest of the room. So if y'all could, when y'all show this thing, just brighten up that part so maybe you can see my forehead or something. I don't know. Uh, this is the part where we tell you we're live. We're oh, live on Facebook. I, I feel like Sam Vicious right now. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, take track. it easy, man. I enjoy it, y'all. Thank, thank you. Come on. Thank you, too. Take it easy. P-W-O. 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 P-W-